I feel like this is way more likely than Harry Potter. So we got to start somewhere. Yeah. Right, Wes? Yeah. Um, it's not that I'm against it. It's just I haven't done it yet. I mean, no, no, no. It's fine. It's we'll movie, do it. It's a movie gap. It'll get, it'll get. Filled. No, I want to fill it. I want to fill your Harry gap. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but prefer the classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the the final final girl. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Survival Guide. Guide. I'm Terry. (laughs) I'm Julia. This week we'll be talking about 1962's Carnival Carnival of Souls. Uh, The title of this episode is Our Imagination Plays Tricks on Us. Yeah, because it does. And the tagline for this, I mean the title, tagline. Tagline was, yep. Tagline. Mm -hmm. A story so unusual it will burn itself into your mind. I like it. That's a good tagline. And also true because it's freaking weird. The the imagery kind of sticks with you. Yeah. Like I will, if you like say Carnival of Souls, I now have this like file I can go through of like little stills from this film. Just like snippets for sure. Uh, This film was written by John Clifford and Herc Harvey and uh, directed by Herc Harvey who did uh, countless industrial shorts. Oh. That was kind of his thing. Was he yeah. just did hundreds and hundreds of industrial shorts. And then this was his one venture into feature Industrial filmmaking. stuff is such a weird, wonderful, like, niche-like yeah. thing. I love that some of that stuff's been unearthed, I think, as, like, people are cataloging and mm-hmm. looking at the past in film. Like, um, those old musicals and stuff like that, too, that were industrials that are so weird and wonderful. Yeah. I love it. Um, and I would say if, if this is – if you're going to make one feature film – this is pretty bananas amazing one to make. It's dope. The cinematography is gorgeous. I can't believe that I've never seen this film before because this is my brother's favorite horror film. And so what am I doing? So right? I don't feel as bad about this Harry Potter situation yes. or the Godfather situation at the moment. I'll do it. It just takes me some time, you know? But then but then also, I, it's hard. It was really crazy for me to watch it because I've seen Night of the Living Dead a thousand, a thousand times. Right. Now. But it's post this film. So every time, I've, all these shots, I'm like, oh, it looks like Night of the Living Dead. I'm like, no, no, no. Night of the Living Dead looks, looks like, like this. this. And George Romero even said it. Like, this was one of my big inspirations to making like, the visualization, the cinematography. Mm-hmm. You can totally see it. You it's, can see the shots. You can see, like, yeah. It's beautiful. Uh-huh. And apparently, Herc Harvey had the idea for this film when he he was driving by in Utah, the Salt Air Pavilion, which was a closed down amusement park, and was like, I should make a movie around that thing. Because old busted amusement parks are in, like inherently creepy. They are. Yeah. yeah they it's are. like the ghost of like good times, but also like what's still haunting there and what still lingers. Uh, and it burned down in 1967. Oh. Uh, but it now apparently is like a musical venue. So everyone wins. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but this film was a box office failure. And what? was only became a cult classic in late night television reviewing. So, at, you know, it's one of those things you're like, it's a you wonderful do? life, you yes. know, like, it's like, what, what are you guys doing? Yeah. But that's, 
I think that's a lot of art though. Do you know what I mean? Though where it's like, it's not lauded necessarily in its time or what, right when it comes out because people need perspective. Yes. I feel like it's like when a new Missy Elliott album comes out, like we're never ready. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Though it's like the music always sounds like the future. They're like, Oh shit, we're in the future. And now that music sounds so like now. And it's like, that's what happens for like 20 years. Do you know uh-huh. what I mean? Though like, I feel like there's some artists that are like that, that are always pushing the envelope. We just got to catch up to that artist. Yes. It's okay. Yeah. I'm glad we got it though. And I'm glad we have the criterion yes. collection, like saving this stuff and yes. like, Putting it back out there for us. And how many countless filmmakers is inspired? Because not only has Romero said this is one of his inspirations, David Lynch, also a giant fan of this film. Uh, The character's name, main character played by Candace Hillegoss, who's incredible. Oh, stunning. Uh, Her name is Mary Henry in the film, and two of the characters in Eraserhead are Mary and Henry. So... There you are, changing the zeitgeist. Yeah, so that's kind of great that even though your film is a box office failure, you know, it lives on and Your legacy... Yeah. You never know how, how it'll spread. Totally. Uh, which is a nice thought. Uh, I like that this film opens with a drag race, but a boys against girls drag race. Yes, we which were you so never excited. Yes, like amazing. Um, and Mary, who's in this car, looks like she's not ready to be in this drag race. She does not want to be in this drag race. No, but she's a passenger and she's there. So that's what happens sometimes. Your friend wants to drag and you know, well, you got, you're in the car, you dragon. Yep, I guess you're dragon. <laughs> uh, dragon all the way off a bridge into a lake river a river a rushing river um i know it's it's terrifying so they have these old rickety bridges basically where you were supposed to ride like on like a guided like like a guide like that um, like these wood planks basically so that you don't veer off off the side of this bridge but if you're drag racing over it and you got two cars on it when you should only have one there's only really room for one so somebody's got to go and they lose that drag race and i love that it's like car and lake title and you're like nice you just killed people before the title even came up. Yep. Amazing. Yep. Um, so then we, uh, there and there, how are they going to drag this river? Like this river is, it's so fast and it's so cold. Like, mm-hmm. how are you going to, they're trying to figure out how to get the car It's out. not clear water. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Though this is like dirty looking, murky, murky. So it's like, You're like stuff is they, moving fast. There's not a good way to get down in there and it's not safe for anybody. So they're literally throwing like hooks, yes, like you fishing can, hooks. <laughs> yeah. So you can tell it's been a couple of hours since this happened at least. And so they you're say like, it's like over three hours later. So there's no way pretty much that anyone's going to be out of there. But suddenly they're trying to pull bodies. Mm -hmm. Mary appears. Yeah. Looking wet and muddy and confused uh, and comes out of the car and comes out of the the water. water. Um, And they're asking her what happened to the other girls. And she doesn't remember. She's got no recollection. And like, okay, well, she survived. Well done. And we turn out that she is an organist. And yeah. that is one of the other great part about this movie is the organ music, which the is music great. music is great. And it made me think of you too, because... I love organs. You love organ music. I do. She's got like... Julia's like got albums. Like she's got vinyl records of like random organ music. Yeah. I remember listening to the one that's like The Rain. Uh-huh. Thunderstorms and, and yeah, organs. It's like Thunderstorms and harps, harpsichords or something. Harpsichords are my favorite. That's the, <laughs> the whole other ball of wax. Um, I love organ. I, lo- I generally... I mean, like this kind of like church organ is eh, not my favorite kind of organ i would prefer but still cool though because like you have to use your whole body to play them because if you guys have seen these like church organs you know you got the foot pedals and like the whole thing and all the pipes the full pipe organ so it's like she's practicing it turns out she's like in this factory i guess where they're make they make these organs too where she's like practicing as well too and she just got a job out in utah to go play the organ for a church and says you know just a job to me doesn't care about the church bit yeah, she is not about that church life. She's mm-hmm. just like, they're going to pay me money. I'm going to go play this organ. It'll be fine. I love that. In 1962, for yeah. you just to be like, eh, church, whatever. Not But I it. just need to play the organ. And she loves it. She clearly loves to play. And it's but, just like, I need to do that. And her, she has, she's such an, her, I mean, her face is so beautiful, but it's also just this kind of, 
a layer of confusion that's over her face the whole time. That's mm -hmm. nothing. You can tell that she, nothing feels quite real to her. And I think that's in her performance throughout yeah, the entire Yeah, it feels film. like a weird dream. She's mm -hmm. like, oh, I guess I'm in this terrible dream state. It's almost like she's like, could as, as easily been a stenographer and been like, I guess I got to go be a stenographer right. now. Yeah, because... Okay, fine. Because her, uh, her boss says that it takes more than intellect to become a musician. You have to put your soul into it a little. And she doesn't seem to really have much. Uh-uh. She's like, she, I don't really need to put my soul into this. I don't... Whatever. And she just kind of is going along, mm -hmm. being going along, driving to Utah, uh, where she, I love this touch where she's changing the music on the dial and it's, it's the exact same music throughout the entire spectrum of right. FM. Totally wonderful. And can we help one second back before she, when she's leaving and they're like, oh, when you come back and she's like, no, no. I'm never coming back here. I'm just going to drive to Utah and I'm never going to see you again. Before she hops in the car and just like, thank you, but I'm never coming back is her line. And I was just like, ooh, yeah, she's kind of heartless a little bit. Like, I don't want to be in this place, but I get after yeah. an accident like that, you don't, may not want to ever be in a place again. True. Uh, so, yeah. But she is quite, she is quite cold. I would say that is a yeah. good, kind of the icy blonde. Right. Uh, so, yes, the radio the effect radio. is amazing while she's in the car. Uh, and this is the first time that we see uh, the man's face in uh, who is this kind of ghostly looking and is, is like actually a clown. And is actually uh, writer director Herc Harvey. Oh, it is him. Yeah. That's great. I love it. We love a cameo from a writer director. Yes. I love that. Little, little little nuggets. Um, so we see him through the window of the car, though. It's like she's got these ghost windows yes. in her car. So she's looking around as she's driving. And I was like, oh, she's delirious because she's driving so long. Because mm -hmm. that kind of happened. You get that weird roadness as the night goes on. And then she can't change the radio. And then all of a sudden, she's seeing figures in the car. I was like, did she fall asleep driving? I wasn't sure like, if it right. was some weird dream thing that was happening for her. And then we see her drive past uh, the pavilion, which is the first time we see it from afar, which does this, this abandoned ghostly specter out on the horizon and she can tell she's drawn to it yes kind of like the haunting again i love this yes. i feel like I always always everything goes back to the haunting for me it should because that movie is amazing yeah but it's like she looks drawn to it she's like yes. "Ooh, that place i have to get out there but she's like but i need to press on i've got to get to this or log you know check in for my organ job yes and uh she arrives at uh her rooming house where yes. she's staying uh so we have With mrs townsend mrs thomas townsend, townsend. Townsend, um, which is uh, Frances Feist. And she and looks suspicious as fuck. That's what I wrote in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> Take as many baths as you like, dear. You're like, uh, okay, thanks. Yeah. I was like, does she got a peephole in that bathroom is what I thought when oh. she said that. Because I was like, why is she telling me to take a lot of baths? Usually they're like, don't use too much water because I got to pay for that. Yeah. Do so you know what I mean? When you're in a rooming house. But she's like, oh, you have your own bath, which is different than a lot of rooming houses usually would have to share. So, Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. She makes a point of saying mm -hmm. that she has her own bathroom, which is very exciting. Right. And you only have one other tenant that's staying as well. Yes. Across the hall. Yeah. So she, you know, she, she also tells her that she can't live in isolation from the human race. Right. She can tell that she doesn't want to see anybody or be near anybody and so like this is i think the kind of the key element of this film is she doesn't want to be with other people she is isolating herself and why is she doing that and who are these people who are coming into her orbit and she keeps trying to push them out and right then you have this man who was really invading her you know, and she keeps seeing his face looming everywhere she mm -hmm. goes. So she goes to check the, in at the church and check yeah, out the organ, the priest. Yeah. And so she plays a little, little sample sample. And the priest is like, great. She's got musical that's capable of stirring the soul. The soul. He's so excited about her organ playing. So she doesn't have much of a soul, but she can stir other people's souls. 
Interesting. Yep. And then the ghost enters the church. Yeah. You're like, oh no, like nowhere is safe. And that's starting that kind of that Juan kind of feeling, right? Where the, the ghost can kind of follow you no matter Anywhere where you, you are. Or poltergeist where like, it's not really about you. It's yep. about like, you know, it is about you. It's wherever you are. Uh, and mm-hmm. so we finally meet her neighbor, John Linden, who mm-hmm. is the greasiest motherfucker ever. Ever. He's disgusting. But she's driven, the priest drives her home, basically, though, past that pavilion, too. In oh, between yeah, let's those back two up for that. Yeah, that's all, that's all, that's all. No, no, but he, she she goes out with two, and then she goes out to the pavilion with the priest and trying to get him to go in with her. She really yeah, wants to go inside. Yeah, and he's like, no, 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 lady, like, that place is, like, blocked off. There's no trespassing. He's it's like, I'm a priest, law. like, it's against the law. I don't break the law. I'm, I'm a priest, ha, ah, like. But she's just like, yeah, you know, you know let's just go inside. Laws for breaking. Yeah, <laughs> let's just go inside. No. He's like, no, 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 do it. can't do it. Um, so she meets John Lennon, who's so sleazy and it's just like, she, she, he knocks he's, the door when she's in the bath and then she puts on the robe and he's like watching her while she's trying to changing. push into that room. Yeah. Real pushy. He's like, like, uh, like if you were to draw like a quintessential, like hashtag me too 1960s, mm. like kind of dude, like he's the guy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean though? Like he's like, ah, I don't know. I don't, whatever women say. Right. Like. It's I don't believe noise. them. It's all noise. Like they want me and that's it. Yeah. And uh, that's all I know. I'm just hot. And he's like, not, he's just, his eyes don't even look like they focus right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean though? Like he does look like a shifty, like yeah. hashtag shifty motherfucker. Like yeah. it's like his eyes don't even like yeah, ha- settle quite right. Uh, hats off to Sydney Berger who really plays this role. We were just he, like, she the scenery. Like, like, don't be anywhere near him. And she feels it, but there's also, she's so afraid of this man that she keeps saying that's like anybody who could possibly help. Like, me I guess you're the friends. closest you'll do. Yes. Uh, but she sees him. She, now she sees the man in the boarding house coming towards her room and uh, the landlady doesn't see him. She's nope. like, Oh, there's no one here. So she's seeing him, but no, now she knows nobody else can see him. So definitely not a real person. So the next, so after uh, she, Mary rebuffs John in the evening, say, yeah, try again tomorrow morning. I'll just come in with some coffee. How about that? Uh-huh. Like right in the morning. But she's, she seems quite chipper. It's the, like the happiest we've seen her in this film. So weird. Yes. Where she's like, oh, everything's okay now. And he's like, oh, great. Well, I'm in now. And you're yeah. like, uh, what is, is okay? As they're sharing morning coffee together. And they're like, uh. It's so yeah, not not what. So you, so she is g- giving him this kind of mixed message now, right? Where she is kind of happy to see him, happy to have him inside, happy to talk to somebody. Right. When before she's been so cold and removed. I think she just really is afraid and needs some sort of like sounding board and contact. And she's like, "You're here, yay! Yeah, a person, a person. Great, great, great. Okay, but any person." Um, and then she decides to go shopping during the day to go get some clothes. Um, and so she's like at this like department store. Um, it seems like a normal like shopping day. And she like goes to the dressing room to try on some clothes. And all of a sudden, no one can see her or hear her as she leaves the dressing room. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's like the sound drops out almost completely. And so she can't hear anything. She can't hear the, the world. She can hear herself, and but no one can see her. No one can hear her. She's Because she's trying to get help after. She's like, I like this dress. I want to get this one. And then they're like, nothing. Nothing. Like she's like waving hands in front of face kind of thing. Like there, there's nothing. Uh, and so she walks out through this park outside. And she thinks that she may be gone deaf and like doesn't know what's it just clearly freaking out. Yeah. And then she's in a park and hears one bird. A tweet, tweet, tweet. And then all of a sudden sound comes flooding back in and everyone yeah. can see her again. It's fine. 
So like super that's weird. A bad freak. I was out. like, is the dressing room a crossover? I was like, what is this weird place? Uh, so she goes to get a drink uh, to settle herself and sees the man At again. The drinking fountain. Uh huh. And so then has such a big freak out that two men have to come over and yeah, you're right, lady. Turns out one of them's a doctor. Yeah, that doesn't really clear what kind of doctor he. Nobody's is. like, take, I'm going to take you to my office, and I was like, oh, you're a psychiatrist? Like, no, not a psychiatrist. I'm like, I don't know what kind of doctor he is or what he really is. He could just be like. I'm a doctor of, uh, I don't know, balloons. I don't know. I got nothing. And like, just take you over here, lady. You're like, okay, why is she just going with him? But she does. She seems so shocked and shocked that she did. I mean, she just had this, you know, crazy episode where the sound dropped out. Now she's seeing this man again. So she goes to the office and just, you know, they have this conversation where he can tell that there's something kind of off about her. And, you know, he's like, oh, you know, our imaginations plays tricks on us. But she says she's a realist. And, yeah. you know, he's trying she's to like, figure- I have no desire for close company of other people. And no. she's just straight up about it. Like, I don't really she's want like, to be around people she's anymore. Like, I don't want a boyfriend ever. Yeah. I don't really want one ever. Like, yeah. Interesting. 1962. Right. Rocking on. Right. She's like, I don't need it. She's like, I got a job. I got my things. And like, I don't want to, I don't need any of this human shit. Like, ah, interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, so she drives out to, uh, the pavilion. She, she and this tries- is also, she has this thing because basically this is kind of the thing where I was thinking about the quiet ones yeah. where like, it's like, if you could create the apparition to your mind, ah. you, you have a way to get rid of it. So she's like, okay, well, if I created this like creepy guy in my mind, I, I can get rid of it myself. So this is when she dr- decides to drive out to the pavilion to basically set it free. Right. To be like, if I made this up in my mind, going to get rid of it. Let's stop it. Um, try yeah, put us put a stop to it. Um, and Mr. Lennon again is on the attack. Is just coming on hard and strong, um, and convinces her to let her let him pick her up after her organ practice today. Right, because she he's like, well, you don't have to walk home alone. And then she's like, yeah, I don't have to walk home alone. Okay, and they're like, what a sad choice, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> either this creepy shifty motherfucker or yeah. a ghost. Uh, both sound bad. Yeah, I so guess I guess I'll the creepy shifty, shifty guy. Shifty it is. <laughs> <laughs> shifty wins. Oh. Um, so she goes to play the organ practice in this mm-hmm. church uh, and she's playing in this trance. You can see she's kind of zoned out and not really paying attention to what she's doing. Also, the priest runs over and is freaking out at her. Uh, it's like abomination, basically. Like, what are you playing? Apparently has been playing some dark sound and music and the priest is so offended that he has to let her go. Yeah, he was like, I mean, literally the day before, he's like, she could stir the soul. And he's like, oh, no, the soul is being stirred the wrong way. Yeah, he says, <laughs> I, I, he says I feel sorry for you and your lack of soul. Yep. You're like, okay. And wow. he wants to cast out the devil, basically, is what about, he's saying. I, that's mm-hmm. some badass music to make somebody get fired right away. Uh, so Mr. Linden takes her out, picks her up, takes her out to a place, looks pretty swinging. And she's just sitting there like a block of ice. Just this not- looks like the worst date ever uh-huh. like they're literally like at this cool looking juke joint kind of place like there's people dancing and like you know um his friends are drinking they're all drinking beers and like she's like no i don't drink no i don't dance she's like don't drink don't smoke I, what, what do you do, you do? <laughs> yeah just sitting there and like in, he but she doesn't look like a goody two shoes either she just looks like a like a hard ass bitch yeah so they and then someone tries like they she won't dance she won't do anything so they finally he just takes her home and he's like okay uh but then just wants to come right inside and it's like oh looks lonely in there let me just come right on in and she has you have this moment where she finally realizes like i don't want to be alone tonight uh, okay that's like a pretty bad choice like come in and have sex with me i really don't want you to but there's a man that's coming for me and i don't know right. who he is so it's one or the other uh and he just uh, but then she starts to see john coming towards her and he 
kind of morphs into the man. So now she thinks they're one and the same. So then she really starts to freak out. And then he's like, okay, I'm out. I'm out. Like done. Yeah. Cause she's, I mean, if you have a girl freak out on you like that, he's like, first you say you want me, then you don't want me, then you want me, then you don't want me. And this is what, which is what the whole thing has been a push pull. Yeah. She doesn't really want him, but no. she's been settling for his company just to get away from this creepy guy. Cause she's already, you know, stopped by that amusement park and tried to like exercise and vanquish this demon thing. And it still seems to haunt her and follow her. So uh, but she's determined to leave ASCP. So she gets her stuff and she's like, I'm going to get the hell out of this boarding house now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm done being here too. Cause she's already run away from that other place. How she left the last town, like yeah. her place before was like in the dead of night, practically, you know what I mean though? So she gets her stuff. She's like, I'm going to get out of here, gets in her car and she starts to drive, wants to drive, but starts making a weird noise. Something's wrong with the car. So she takes it into a car shop. So the they put her up on the hydraulics. Yeah, or, she stays in the car on the hydraulic lift. Nobody this ever so great because she's so terrified. And I was like, "Girl, don't put yourself up there because then you're stuck if the thing shows up up there." I was like, "That is a bad final girl move, you know? Like yeah. then you're up there on this lift in your damn car while they're working on it." No, I guess she probably feels it's the safest move, right? But you know. I would say like, you always have to like see your exits, right? You have to know where your exits are. You got to be able to get out of the car and not die jumping out of the car is what I would say. Uh, but then I like that, you know, this is where the movie starts to get kind of dreamlike where like things kind of going one over the other and you don't really know what's real and what's not real where she starts. She goes to the bus station, but she can't get in. But then she goes to the bus station and she's invisible again where she starts. Now people can't see her again. And now her, can't hear, yeah. she can't hear anymore. And she gets on the bus and it's full of dead people. It's this whole bus full of dead people all looking at her so she runs and then she tries to go to the train station because she gets she gets locked out and she's why can't anybody hear me um and then she's back in the doctor's office yep and the, the chair the chair as it was before though they did this which is great they earlier and the chair had been turned around while she was talking to the doctor so he had his back to her like a weird psychology thing he turns around it's the man in the chair but then she screams and she wake up and she's in the car so it's all been a dream a dream yep. within a dream, perhaps. Or? Or? I was like, tree of life. Was it a dream? I was like, it's a dead man's party. Oh, wow. What did I write? Robert Smith makeup. These notes are hilarious. Was <laughs> I drinking when we watched this? I don't uh, remember. Yes. Okay, great. Um, yeah, we had cider, remember? Oh, yeah. We were great. Mm-hmm. Um, but she uh, dries off and she sees her dead self and tries to run away to the water and then... Yeah, because they go out. She goes back out to the... She goes to the pavilion. She sees all these dead souls dancing and they're all dancing That's the around. dead man's party. Yeah. yeah. They're all dancing around and then she sees the man dancing with her and uh, she looks dead. And so that's when she freaks out and she runs and she screams and they're all coming after her and she's out in the sand. Um, and then we cut to the cops only finding some footprints in the sand, but nobody along with it. Just one set of footprints. And I was like, that's where Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Footprints. The footprints in the sand, but only one set. I was like, oh no. I only know that poem from thrift shops because every thrift shop on every, every series, everyone <laughs> I've ever been to, if you go in like the little art section, which is where I like to go, you will find that on a plaque, either in English or Spanish, guaranteed 100%. It's all about that footprints poem. I could, I could have thousands of copies of that thing. I, if I feel wanted. like that's an installation waiting to happen. It was it like is. that VHS. What was that? Uh, was Jerry, it Jerry Maguire, Maguire installation? It's, yeah, it's, everything is terrible. It's Those fo- guys are incredible. If you guys have not seen, everything is terrible. They're, They're great. 
Um, but footprints, that would be hilarious. That would be a really fun installation. I think people would go, we should do that for like Easter. <laughs> I'm, it wouldn't take long. Honestly, <laughs> I think we could compile it pretty quickly. It sounds yeah, like if we yeah. hit all the thrift stores in the, in the greater Los Angeles area. Uh, but then we, we get to the big, the big reveal, uh, the twist at the end of Carnival of Souls, which is they are pulling the car out of the uh, river lake she had originally crashed in and all three girls are dead in, in the there. car. Yep. They found the Buick and She's they're all dead. She's been dead all along. She was a ghost. She was a ghost that made it to a carnival yeah just kind of exciting that she found her way out there and like you know had just, a full afterlife i just think about like what this is probably one of the most interesting portrayals of afterlife i've ever seen where it's just this crazy wandering and people are there but they don't seem real and like why are you going to utah and like it would be one of those things where you would feel caught up along in it and feel compelled to be doing these things but not really know why mm-hmm. that seems like a pretty terrible afterlife and so like where is she now is she just dancing in the pavilion with... I think she was, like, in full-on purgatory looking for where she was going to spend the rest of her, like, time. You know what I mean, though? And they were like, dancing, okay. Dancing and in she an abandoned gone, pavilion for the rest of time doesn't sound that bad to me. But it was almost could have gone either way. She could have been, like, a creepy, like, organ ghost. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, though, for this church? And the church is like, we cast you out, demon. You know mm. what I mean, though? Like, she was like, oh, I guess I am a demon. I'd rather be in that pavilion. That looks cool. Like right. she found her, like she found her dead man's party. But it doesn't seem like she's really making choices. It feels like things she's are being pu- compelled. Pu- things are pushing her to the direction she's supposed to be going. So right. it doesn't seem like she really has much free will, right? Perhaps. Um, but what an incredible well movie! Done. So beautiful, and all of the camera angles and all are just really, really cool. If you haven't seen this film, I highly recommend it. Let's talk about some movie ratings. Yeah, let's do the gore factor. You, you gore factor about, it up. Not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Uh, two, a puddle of blood. Three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four, bathtub of blood. Five, run for the barfing bags. Um, it's a zero. There's actually no gore in this film. Yeah, it's which, a very rare zero. Yeah, but... Doesn't mean it's bad, guys. And it doesn't mean it's not scary. Yeah. Because well done, weird, creepy moments and, and tension. Yeah, and just like the tagline says, a story so unusual will burn itself into your mind. Again, imagery is up there top Spot on. Mm-hmm. Uh, movie rating, zero to five chainsaws. One, if you're desperate. Two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. And five is fantastical. I give Carnival of Souls a five. Fantastical. Yep. I also get this film a five. I thought it was so well acted and creepy and wonderful. And like the tension was like, just, it's just right. And she's a great character. Yeah. And she's just really her, fun to watch. Her face is just amazingly made for film and her hair, <laughs> just everything. I was just like, we were just like, we were mesmerized right. by her. It's yeah. pretty great. But you know, what an incredible film. So influential and uh, so worth your time. And please check out Carnival of Souls. Please also check out, our social media accounts, mm-hmm. our Twitter, our Facebook, our Instagram. We do have a Patreon where we give every month, we give out a newsletter. We have all sorts of bonus material. We would love for you to sign up. Yeah. Join the party. Yes. It's the dead man's party. It's a good party. Who could ask for more? No one. No one, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next week, we're doing actually another black and white movie. Yes. Um, this one, I'm very excited. I have not seen this film. Uh, let's talk about Ingmar Bergman's Hour of the Wolf. Ooh, I have not seen this either, so I'm I'm very excited. This is uh, supposedly one of his his own his big try at horror. Okay, like Bergman's like let's try a horror film, let's a do thriller it. film, and here we are. Okay, let's do it. I love it. I love old school. Let's keep it black and white. Keep it classics. Okay. All right. Let's do it. We'll see you next week, guys. Hour of the Wolf. <laughs>